Thanks for joining us today at the Vine Church. We're one church with two locations and reaching around the world with the help of our online service. We exist to connect the world to Jesus Christ. If you'd like to partner with us in doing that, you can share this service with others and give by clicking the link below. For now, prepare your heart for some incredible worship and an inspiring message.
church you good how many of you can identify with that bumper video especially the part about falling asleep while you're reading that or at least when the preacher preaches yeah anyway yeah so you loaded up on coffee hopefully uh, you get you've your day's been off to a great start ours has already at our 915 service we had two folks give their life to Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior that's awesome and so we celebrate that and uh, for those of you that I haven't met yet, my name is David Walters. I have the privilege of being one of the pastors here at the Vine Church, and it is a privilege to be with you guys this morning as we kick off uh, this new series. One of the reasons why we start a new series and one of the reasons why we started this new series is because culturally speaking, the calendar begins this week when all of our local schools have gone back to school. I know students, you can let out the groan and the moan. Yeah, right there. So Hall and Gwinnett, they go back this week. And, uh, and, and we know that calendar year starts January 1, but Culturally speaking, it starts in the fall. Even if you don't have kids at home that are going to school, um, it begins now. Here's the craziness and the chaos of the uh, calendar year. And it'll be this way until about um, Memorial Day next year. And then we'll get our traffic, our roads back to normal. And uh, we can go through the Starbucks drive through in a normal amount of time. And uh, that's when we know life and normalcy has re returned. Um, so it's great to be with you guys today as we talk about a couple of tools from the Bible to help us not just survive kind of this new calendar context, uh, the calendar uh, year that we're in the context of, but also just thrive, live in that uh, fullness of life that, that God intends for us. And we're going to be talking about those tools today. And, and I think that today, when we talk about the tool that we're talking about, it's probably one of our greatest assets that we have in our life, our greatest possession. Um, but before we get to what I think is our greatest possession, I wanted to see what you think is your greatest possession. So students, what's your greatest possession? What is your greatest asset that you have? 
Um, I don't know what it would be for, for your, your family, but in my house, I know that at least with my son, his greatest possession, his greatest asset are his Aussie Albies and Ronald Acuna Jr. rookie cards that he spent a lot of money buying um, on eBay this year. In fact, he checks the value about weekly, and he's letting me know when it's up, when it's down. And uh, I hate to break it to him, but it's just a matter of time before those things kind of return back to normal. How many of you had that Ken Griffey Jr. rookie card that went up to about $150, but it's back down to like 20 right now? Yeah. Um, you know, that's the experience that we have. Those things climb in value or decrease in value based on their performance. Um, maybe students, it's not a, a collection card, um, but maybe it's a computer, a computer where you do a lot of um, artwork. Maybe it's a computer where you do a lot of game playing. Maybe you do some vlogging with a video and you put it up on YouTube and you've got some folks that, that uh, check you out and and, uh, or maybe you do the vlogging uh, of the gaming that you've been playing, and, and uh, that's your greatest asset because it's what you spend most of your time doing. And if maybe not a card or a computer, maybe it's a car for those of you that are 16 or older, maybe you've got that car. And even though um, the moment you drive off of a parking lot, a car dealership, that, that car is going to decrease in value by about 20%. You know that it doesn't matter what it depreciates in value of when you pull it off the parking lot. You just know that it went up in value because that's your source of freedom in life, you know? And so, um, so maybe the car is your greatest asset. Adults, what about you? What's your greatest asset? What's your greatest possession that you have? Um, I think maybe for the women, and I got a couple nods at 915, uh, maybe some of you would identify a piece of jewelry, maybe that's been handed down to you, or maybe that was given to you at an engagement. Um, and so a piece of jewelry maybe is your greatest possession or your greatest asset. And the challenge with that, again, is just like we were talking about with earlier things, um, the value can increase or decrease in time. Typically, when it comes to the metals that make up jewelry, those are opposite of what the stock market's doing. And so if you took a look at the overall value of jewelry right now, it's probably pretty low. Uh, but just wait for a recession to happen, and then there'll be uh, these guys that stand on the corner of every street corner with we buy gold signs everywhere because it is running opposite of that. Maybe not a piece of jewelry, maybe land, maybe house, even though most people would say that it's no longer a surefire investment, especially if you bought at the height of the market in 2006, and, uh, and then um, the crash happened just after that. And for most people, we're not at a place yet where we actually own our land and our house. The bank does, and we make payments to them until we own it outright. And if we don't own it outright, it's actually a liability, not an asset. It's not a great possession for us when it comes to the way that we put value on things. But I would argue that whether you identified a collection card or maybe you identified land in a house, that the greatest asset that we have is the same for every one of us. And it's the same for a person that's young, and it's the same for a person that's old. And that asset is time. We all have the same amount of it, and we all get to determine the value of it. And whether it will appreciate or depreciate in a day, and whether that appreciation or depreciation will accumulate over time. The greatest asset, which would be and could be our greatest tool for life, is time. But what we find is that with most people, time seems to be more of a liability than an asset, and time can be more of a tension for life than it is a tool for life. And how many of you internally are going, yep, time can be a challenge for us. In fact, as I start to talk about time already right now, some of you are getting anxious. You're starting to like work up the sweats, and uh, you just want me to close the service and get out of here so that we don't talk about it anymore. 
But today I want to talk about how time can be, how we can view that as one of our greatest assets, and how we can use that as a tool for life. And the reality for all of us, whether you're young or old, uh, whether you're a student or an adult, is that we all have the same amount of time. And you get to determine the value of it. It doesn't matter where you're born or to whom you were born. You get the same amount of time and you get to determine the value of it. It doesn't matter if you're a student in school or you've graduated from school and you've got a degree. You might've got your summa cum laude degree. You might've got your magna cum laude degree. You might've got your thank you lordy degree. Uh, it doesn't matter what your degree's in. You could have an MRS degree. You could have a specialist degree or doctorate degree. You could have a great pedigree it doesn't matter. We all have the same amount of time and we all get to determine the value of that time. And I hope to show you today that from scripture, time can be our greatest asset, our greatest tool for a life that God desires us to live. One where it's not chaotic and stressed out, but one where we experience the abundance and the fullness that Jesus talked about when he came 2,000 years ago and said that he came to offer those who are in him. And so we're gonna take a look at a couple of things this morning, but we're gonna start off with two truths about time. Two truths about time. If you're taking notes, uh, you might wanna write this down. Two truths about time. And we're gonna go to Job chapter 14, verse five in your Bible. So if you've got your Bibles or you've got a Bible app, I wanna invite you to go with me to Job chapter 14, verse five. Now, while you might be getting to Job, which is uh, approximately in the middle of your Bible. If you got to the book of Psalms or Proverbs, you've gone too far to the right. You need to turn back to the left just a little bit. Uh, Job is a guy who had everything in life kind of figured out. Job is a guy who had a lot of earthly possessions. So he had a lot of things that we would consider to be assets. Um, he had a great family. And then in just a short amount of time, everything that he had, including his family, was completely wiped away. And so it would be said, and you could probably make the argument that Job had a kind of a chaotic, like circumstantial life going on in the moment. And through the book of Job, what you find is how he relates to that circumstance and those situations that have completely robbed him of any kind of normalcy um, that he has experienced uh, prior to this in life. And so you have a lot of theological conversations, a lot of statements about God. And at one point in chapter 14, he communicates the value of time or something that we need to understand as a truth about time. In fact, there are two things that we want to point out in verse five. So this is what he says as he's talking about God um, or to God about time as it relates to humanity. Listen to what he says, verse five. Since his days are determined, his being human, humanity, um, since his days are determined, and the number of his months is with you, and you have appointed his limits that he cannot pass. So we see that in this one verse, he's talking to God about how time operates with humanity. And there are two important truths about time that we find in that one verse. And the first truth is this, is that you cannot make any more time. You can make a lot of a lot of things. You can make more of a lot of things, but you can't make any more time. Job says that you cannot pass those number of days that are determined. In other words, you can't make any more of it. Once it's done, it's done. Once there's an expiration, it is over. You can't make any more 
of it. You can make more. You can make more of a lot of things. At my house, we make more of slime all the time. Like slime is the thing. In fact, my daughter Carly, she turned 11 this week, and one of her presents from her mom was a gallon of glue. What do you make with glue? Slime. You don't do it like old school where you put it on the palm of your hand, wait till it dries and you peels it off. Like you make slime and that gets everywhere. So um, we make more slime. You can make more money. You can make more money. The government can print more money and the more money they print, the more money we actually have to make because the value of money goes down the more they print. And in order for you to make more money, you gotta work more hours, work more jobs, find some residual income or some other source of income. But you can make more money. You can make more friends, students, This week, as you go back to school, maybe for your first full week back to school, you'll probably sit next to somebody in a classroom that you didn't know. And over the course of the year, you'll make a new friend. Um, If not in your classroom, in some other activity where you'll have the opportunity to make new friends. And I wanna encourage you to make new friends. Adults, you got the opportunity to make new friends all the time, whether it's social media um, or whether it's a workplace or some other gathering. Even at church, you can make new friends. You can join a serve team. Or a connect group, sign up, start next week, ding, um, got the plug in. You can make new friends, but you can't make more time. You can't make more time. You can't make more than 24 hours in a day, but how many of you wish that you could? You know, in fact, as a tension for us in life, there's probably a lot of things that you said about how you wish that um, you could have more time. Um, I put down some quotes that are just used frequently in our house. Maybe they're used frequently by you. There never seems like there's enough of it. Have you ever used that one? There never seems like there's enough time. Uh, Despite what the Rolling Stones say, um, time never seems to be on our side. Um, Have you noticed that? Um, and, And then on top of the fact that there never seems to be enough and that you can't make more of it, um, another truth that we know about time from Job is that that time that we have is set. God has actually set our time. So you can't make more time, and the time that you have is set for you. Job, who said this, and other authors of the Bible, they they believe that God actually determined for each person before they were born the number of days that were on their life. And I don't know if you believe that or not, but I think that one of the things that we could all agree on when it comes to God and God's um, all-knowing like power is that God at least knows the amount of days that are determined for your life, whether he determines them or not. I think we could all agree that we would say God's omniscience, which is the, the fact that he's all-knowing, like he knows how many days are set for you. And so I think when we start to operate with the awareness of that truth, then we feel the tension of that where we start to recognize that there's more time behind us than there is in front of us. And so time starts to speed up a little bit. Uh, We were out for our birthday dinner for Carly and the waitress looked at our kids and was like, every time I see them, they're growing and they're, they're getting so big. How's time moving so fast? Well, it happens because the older you get, the more you've got behind you and the less you've got in front of you and the time seems to move faster because we understand that there's a set amount of time on our lives and it's just moving fast. Two truths that Job shares with us. You can't make more time. And our time is set. Our time is set. God knows what that time is. You and I don't know what that time is. So if time is our greatest asset and we don't know what it is, then we need to treat time differently so that for us, when we understand the truths about time, we can view it as a tool for life, not a tension in life. 
And so how do we treat time? Well, there's two passages of scripture I want to point out that teach us how to treat time. The first one is found in the Psalms. Psalm chapter 90, in fact, verse 12. Psalm 90, verse 12. What we find is that we're instructed to teach time in, or to treat time in this way. So teach us, this is the psalmist, this is a person writing this song or this prayer to God. Teach us to number our days that we may get a heart of wisdom. Teach us to number our days so that we can get a heart of wisdom. To number our days is basically to understand that there is an expiration date on, on time. So in this day, there are 24 hours. That's all we get. There's an expiration day. How are we going to number it? How are we going to structure it? How are we going to plan it so that we would get wisdom from it? Um, in everything in life, there's typically greater wisdom that comes when we can put an expiration date around things. So if you meet with a financial planner, a financial advisor, what they're going to say is, when do you want to retire? Right? And where do you want to, when do you want to retire? And if you retire then, then you got to work backwards from there so that you would understand how you number your days with financial investments. You meet with any expert, any person that's going to give you advice on any subject, and they're going to try to put an expiration date around it, a time that they would have numbered around it because it gives us wisdom as to what we do in life. And I, I don't know about you in your context, but I know for me, the greatest tension that we have in time with, with our time. Is, is with our family and how we're going to operate as a family. We've got four kids. They're all in activities. They're all pretty busy. And so how are we going to figure out time? Well, one of the things that we do that keeps us in check is that we understand there's an expiration date, not just on their life, but on the influence that we have on their life. And, and it used to be that it was guaranteed set at like 18, now it's like 22 to 30, you know, maybe a little bit later on than that, you know, but I mean, you know, and, and typically let's just work with the 18 model, okay? So 18 years, you've got influence over your kids. How do you understand that and remind yourself to number your days? Well, we've given you all some helpful tools in the past if you've been with the Vine for a while. I, I just have another one that maybe is helpful for you, one that we haven't done. And, um, and basically it operates like this. So this is called a legacy um, marble bag. This is a collection. This is amazing what you can do with branding. Old school marbles, put them in a bag and call it a legacy marble bag, right? And um, there are 936 peewee marbles, and then there are 18 larger marbles that represent a birthday in the child's life. But the peewee marbles represent a week that you have with your kid the moment they're born all the way to 18. And you can put all 936 plus the 18 birthday marbles into a jar as a visible, visible reminder when the child is born that that's how much time you have. That's the expiration date. And then for every week, you just move a marble to another jar. And it gets pretty um, sobering when you start to see that expiration date and you start to see that countdown taking place. Um, and so I didn't have a jar big enough for 936. So I brought my sixth grade jar right here. Um, we got some sixth graders that are in the worship center for the very first time of their life. Can y'all welcome the sixth graders that are in here? Yeah. And so um, parents, just to like highlight the importance of the time that you have, this jar is filled with how many marbles? 312 marbles. That's how many weeks you have left before your child's, before your influence when they turn 18, expires. Um, so I, I've got a daughter that's going into ninth grade, high school. 
208. 208. And some of you, I'm not there yet. I will be. Senior year. 52. That's all you've got. When the Bible says to number our days so that we would get wisdom, when you start to see the contents of this jar decrease because you've numbered your days, all of a sudden you get more wisdom about how you should be spending it. And all the things that we think are important for our kids' lives start to expire themselves. And we start to realize what are the most important things that we can be doing in our day, in our week, in our month that are going to outlast the first 18 years of their life, that are going to outlast the first 40 years of their life, that are going to outlast their time on earth. And all of the sudden, not only have you put an expiration date on this, but now you have the wisdom on how to number the days accordingly so that you figure out how do during the day you're going to invest in your child's life. That's what it means to number your days so that you get wisdom. Now, that's only one way that we're supposed to treat time. But the Bible gives us another way that we can treat time. And that's found in Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5. Now, Ephesians is in the back part of the Bible. Um, it's written by a guy named Paul. Paul was a guy who, before he had an encounter with the resurrected Jesus, he um, was a persecutor of the church. And then he met the resurrected Jesus had this radical encounter and he started planting churches and he, and he directly or indirectly planted so many churches that um, he would write back to them about spiritual um, matters and about practical matters that, that where you would take your faith and you would live it out in practical terms and he would write these letters to them and that comprises most of what we call the New Testament of our Bible. And in chapter five of Ephesians, he starts to write about how we're to walk like Christ walked how we're supposed to mimic and model the life that Jesus um, modeled for us. And, um, and at one point he says, and what we'll see in just a second is that we're to walk as Christ did, but to walk as wise. In fact, this is specifically um, how he wrote this in verse 15. Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise. Listen to this. Making the best use of the time because the days are evil. He says, hey, if you want to walk like Jesus, walk wise. In fact, we find in the New Testament that Jesus called the wisdom of God. So Jesus is the fullness of wisdom in flesh. And how are we supposed to make them, um, how are we supposed to walk wisely? By making the most of our time. And this is crazy to me that of all the um, examples that Paul could write about walking wisely with, he chose time. So why would he choose time? because it's our greatest asset. It's got this tremendous potential that is in it. And so he says, walk wise, making the most of your time. And to make the most of your time, I want to introduce you to a concept that has been written about outside of the Bible. It's written about in the Bible. It's not called this, but we call it the compound effect. The compound effect. So if you're taking notes, you might want to write down the compound effect. The compound effect is similar to compounding interest for those of you that have, that have started studying compound interest, which Albert Einstein, who kind of knows a little bit about um, things, he's a little smart, he said is the eighth wonder of the world. Time is just like that. There's this interesting aspect of time to where you and I, we all have the same amount of it. 
And you and I, we all have the same power to decide what we're gonna do with it. And it can accumulate or appreciate um, in value over the day, or it can depreciate in value over the day. And then every day it resets. But what's interesting is that what you did with the day before actually accumulates and accumulates over time. And that's called the compound effect. If you want a really simple formula for it, this is the formula that we use. And then we've used this in the past. Time times time equals great return. Time times time equals great return. In fact, I want you to say that with me. Time times time equals great return. Basically, what that means is this, that if you'll make small or large investments consistently over a period of time, there's going to be a great return that's from that. It builds on itself. It accumulates over time. And, and this is something that we often neglect and we don't pay attention to when it comes to the way that we use our time. But if we will make small, even small investments of time, over time, there's going to be great return. And Paul says, hey, make the most of your time or the best of your time because the days are evil. Essentially this, if you neglect the compound effect of time, if you neglect the truths of time, then what we'll see is that the great return won't be great as in like, yay, great. It'll be great in that it's a, a, a foolish or a poor, or as Paul said, evil return of time. But if you'll make the best of your time, over time, you'll see a great return in, in a wise and maybe even righteous way. Um, I, I can explain the compound effect using a lot of different things. I mean, we could talk about money and compounding interest, or I could just talk about health and fitness, you know, just a little bit of time invested in, in exercise over time can make a big difference. It'll make a big difference in the way you feel. It'll make a big difference in the way you look. It'll make a big difference in your fitness. You'll feel stronger. You'll feel better. Um, and uh, the same is true from the neglect of like our health and fitness. So if we neglect health and fitness over time, there's this cumulative effect. And at some point we'll feel worse. And at some point we'll, um, we'll look worse. And at some point we'll recognize that we are unhealthy. And so you can kind of see the, the compound effect on time just with that simple illustration with exercise. And what's challenging, what's challenging about the compound effect, and this is the way that time operates, is that when we miss one investment of time in whatever area of life that is, we're not going to miss it. Like if you work out a little bit every day over a long period of time, but you miss a workout, nobody's going to notice. You won't even notice. Nobody's going to walk up to you and be like, hey, David, you were really slacking. Unless Cade's your son, and every time he fills my arms, he's like, dad, you're squishy. You know what I mean? Like, I mean, that's, <laughs> you know, you're not going to, the same is true from a positive standpoint. If you neglect your health and your fitness, so you're not working out, and then you go for one of those workouts, but it's just like in there, thrown in there, nobody's going to be like, dude, I can really tell that you worked out. You're looking great. How are you feeling? Do you feel great? Nobody's going to know. That's the, the challenge of compound of time, it, or compound the compound effect is that when, when you have one time, it just doesn't, it doesn't amount to a whole lot, but you also don't miss it when you don't do it. And that's a challenge for us. It's a challenge for us. Another challenge for us is that random and a lot doesn't make up for missed time. Random and a lot doesn't make up for missed time. And so you, you could neglect working out and then go and have like this super hard workout and you're actually only harming yourself because then you can't walk for about three days. But it doesn't make up for lost time. It's a series of small investments over time that equals great return. Random is where you kind of ask this question, what did I do with all that time? 
You ever ask that question? Students, parents ask this question all the time about what life was like before you. You know, we go, what did we do with all that time before kids, right? Am I right or am I right? You know, like young adults that just started their careers, this is what they asked about when they were in school. What did I do with all that time when I was in school? Students, this is what you ask when you go back to school. What did you do with all that time during the summer? Fortnite. And, you know, like, what did you do? <laughs> Random also asked this question. What do I have to show for it? Like, what do I have to show for that time? Students, what do you have to show for the time that you spent playing Fortnite this summer? Besides the new skin that came out or some sweet dance move? You know I mean? Like, what? Like, what? What do you have to show for it? Adults, what do you have to show for all that Facebook time? Oh, now it got real in here. <laughs> what do you have to show for all that time on social media? What do you have to show for the time? That's random. Where we don't know and we have no accountability. But if we will number our days, if we will make the best use of our time, recognizing that a little bit of investment, time over time, equals a great return we will see that time can become a tool for us to experience the life that God has for us and not the source of tension for us. And I know that for me, and I've already said it, one of the great places of tension with regards to time is related to our family. And I think that's probably the case for most of us. Even if your definition of family is different than my definition of family, I mean, you might be here and students, your definition of family is maybe you by yourself or maybe some siblings and your parents. Uh, maybe you're a young adult and you've kind of moved out of the house, but you haven't started a family yet. Maybe you're married and you don't have kids. And so your source of family is your spousal relationship. Maybe, maybe you're a parent like me. Maybe you've got one kid, you've got more kids, you've got a lot of kids, you know. Um, maybe you're a grandparent. Your, your definition of family can be different, but it's it's often one of the places where the tension of time is most felt. And I think one of the best responses that we can give to time with relates to family is, are we being intentional or are we being random? Are we being wise or are we being foolish? Because outside of time that really is amoral and doesn't have a whole lot of purpose in and of itself, our family has a great, great purpose. In fact, as we were created to belong, the first institution that God established for us to belong to is the institution of family. It's God's first community for us. It has great value. Students, your siblings, they might get on your nerves sometimes, but they've got great value. Your parents, they might tell you to do things that you don't want to do, but they've got great value. Young adult that's in between kind of realms of life, you're your, your family that you grew up with, the family that you're going to, great value. Parents, you know this. There's great value in your kid, not just their potential one day, but right now. Grandparents, you know this. I don't need to tell you this. They've got great value, your grandkids. But are we being wise and intentional or foolish and random? And if you want to alleviate those places of tension, with a tool for life, then we need to understand those two truths about time. And then we need to treat time in those two ways. And then the last tool that we'll offer you this morning is that if we understand that truth, those truths, and we understand how to treat time, 
then we will prioritize time. We will prioritize time that will lead to great return. And otherwise, we will mark in our calendar those moments where exclusively we will intentionally pour into those things that matter most. You know, for all of us, we'd probably put faith on that list, and we're going to talk about that later in the series. For most of us, we'd probably say family. In our family, we've got two open nights for no kids activities. Wednesday nights, Friday nights. So we prioritize time those days. When we are on the way to kids' activities, we prioritize the time in the car. So there's nothing that distracts us from having a great in-depth conversation. We prioritize the time because we understand the compound effect and to number our days. Once you prioritize it, you've got to protect it. And you protect it with principles. You protect it with practices rules for your family when you've prioritized that time. Um, we, we love Chick-fil-A. I mean, how can you not love Chick-fil-A, right? They got Christian chicken. I mean, they've got, they've got the music without the words to the Christians. I mean, it's, it's a great environment, right? And they seem to do like everything right. I mean, everything. And one of the things that they did um, earlier this year is uh, they started um, handing out what they call cell phone coops. Y'all familiar with a cell phone coop? It was this um, pre-cut, um, pre-patterned uh, cardboard box, basically, that if you follow the instructions, you can form it, and, and it forms this box. It forms a coop. And their desire was that when you walk into their restaurant, that as a couple on a date, as a family with kids, that you would put your cell phones in that coop. And for that time that you're there at their restaurant, they don't want you distracted by devices. They want you focused on your family. I love that idea. And maybe some of you, you have that at your house. It's not a coop. It's not a you know, cell phone coop, um, but it's a box. Or maybe it's a shelf. Or maybe it's a time during the day where after that, there is no electronic device. Or maybe it's at dinner table. There's no distractions, no devices, no TV, no nothing that's on. You're just focused on family time. That's what it means to have a practice that matches the priority so that you can protect that most powerful asset that you have, which is time, especially with your family. So we want to help you guys with priority, and we want to help you guys with protection. So to do that, this morning on your way out, our ushers have a Chick-fil-A card for every one of you. There'll be an entree that each uh, one of our adults gets to have, and so make sure you stop. At 9.15, like revival broke out when I said that. There was clapping, and there was like, oh, it's too late. You can't, got, I mean, it's too late, it's too late. It's too late. We want to help you wherever you are, like in life, like use that as a priority to set aside time. And remember when you go and you swipe that thing, like that's priority use of time. But we want to take it another step. We want to take it another step because we want to see what your practices of protection of time are um, in your home or when y'all go out. And so we thought we would step up the game a little bit. So next Sunday at our 11 o'clock service, we're going to be giving away one um, $50 uh, Chick-fil-A gift card. And um, yeah, you got like one clap. We had one clap. I was like, I was waiting on it. No, it's too late. It's too late. Can't do that, Ken. Yeah, thank you, Victor. That was awesome. Um, yeah, and we're going to give that away to a person who shares their family's practice for protecting their time together. 
And so maybe it's a box that you've made at your house where all the devices go in. Maybe it's like after eight or after the sun goes down, no electronics. Maybe it's at the dinner table, there's no devices, no distractions. Whatever that practice of protecting that time is, what we want you to do is we want you to share this with the entire world, but especially our church. So go on social media, share that practice of protecting that time, and then add the hashtag tools for life TVC 11. And next week we'll share some of those and then we'll give away that gift card for one person who, um, who, has, uh, who has shared that with the rest of us. All of what we're talking about today about earthly time, all of what we're talking about today with earthly time matters not if we don't understand that there's an eternal time. There is an eternal time. You were made to live on earth, but to live eternally. And so we can talk about biblical wisdom for the practice of life to alleviate tensions for us, but none of that matters unless we understand that God's greatest desire for you is that that life that he wants you to live here on earth, he wants you to have for all of eternity. And that that relationship with God is available without you having to do anything to earn it, without you having to, to prove yourself. It's been provided through the work of Jesus Christ who lived a perfect life, died on the cross as a substitute for your sin, and then came back from the dead, defeating sin and death and offering all of us this promised, assured eternal life. And so this morning, if you walk into this place and you're like, oh, this is great, this is helpful, this is practical, but you do not have the assurance of spending eternity with God, all of this might matter for about 76.8 years. And then it's done. But when you'll trust Jesus as Lord and Savior of your life, not only will you have the promise of an eternal relationship with him, but that eternity will enter into your life and give you a whole different understanding and appreciation for the time that we have here. And so this morning, if you've never trusted Jesus as the Lord and Savior of your life, I wanna invite you to do so in just a moment when I offer a prayer. And if you have, I wanna invite you to just say, hey God, my time is yours. You've said it, you've determined it. Help me to number my days and to make the best of it. Thank you. 
Come on, church. Spirit, come. 